Science. Welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. That's Matt Kirshen over there. Hey, Andy. How you doing? Good. This is going to be one of the last ones that we record from here. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be gone for a month or so, so I might have yeah. to do some without you. We might have to do them separately. I, I will aim as always when i'm back in the uk to record some with british people it's, and don't, they, it's not don't don't say that last year don't i took last year <laughs> i went as far as taking printed out copies of the articles that we were going to discuss to glastonbury <laughs> and then glastonbury happened i forgot that yeah. a massive music festival somehow gets in the way of recording podcasts but I'll i'm hopeful you, this year i'll give you a zoom i have i have an extra little zoom if you want to give you extra incentive okay if that's actually something you would take it with you yeah if you're not going to use it tell me now <laughs> i don't want to i could use it i okay. could use it We'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, we should just get into it. We have a great guest who we, we should have had on a long time ago because she uh, is a great um, podcast host and TV host and uh, has actual science in her pedigree. Yeah, the ho- the co-host of the Slumber Party podcast, seen on loads of different shows, both in the cooking and science and comedy and chat and everything world. She's on Innovation Nation with Mo Rocca on Saturday mornings. And most importantly, she will also be on, along with us, the brand new How to Build Everything on the Science Channel, premiering on the 22nd, June 22nd, is Ali Ward. I'm so excited, you guys. <laughs> it's, it comes through. Really, really stoked. I'm actually um, quite thrilled to be in your backyard before... It's over before this era. Have is you never over. You've been here before, haven't you? Yes, yes. I've had a. I've cracked a, a sugar-free Red Bull on a summer's day here mm-hmm. and watched people Instagram themselves. I never realized you were such a wild cut. Yeah, cat. that's crazy. Yeah, I'm a nutball man. Are you part of? Are you part of the camp that has actually entered the pool here or not? I don't think I've ever been in your pool. I've definitely like uh, like a like a weird like sad aunt just been on the sidelines being like well that looks fun mm-hmm. <laughs> but i have not actually i've not baptized myself in your in your uh beautiful waters that's a solid three quarters of pool party attendees i think have never even dipped a toe in there so it's fine it's not like jesse i lived with jesse for five years i have yet to see him with his shirt off i kind of think he doesn't have nipples or something like i think mm-hmm. there's some secret he's keeping if that's true he's got to show that off that's got to be yeah. that he's got to lead with that. <laughs> Kidding this nipple-free chest? <laughs> Marvel at it, bitches! Yeah. It's so aerodynamic. It is. Um, I found out that a lot of men have a third nipple and don't even know it. No. Yes, like a high percentage. I was around a round table full of scientists. Okay. People started talking about. I don't think it's called a tertiary nipple. I forget what it's called. Superfluous. I don't know. Look it up. We're both Googling. Please Google it. <laughs> yeah. And it's in the milk. It's within the milk line, which is like a, a line that extends from your armpits to your groin. And it's somewhere in there. And it looks like a mole. A lot of people think it's a mole. And boom, they got a trinip. Supernumer- supernumerary the first nipple. two links. Hey, yeah, Wikipedia supernumerary nipple. And then a Yahoo article that says, your mole may actually be a third nipple. God, Here's exciting. how to tell. That's exciting. That's like when, you know, I drove... Apparent- Sorry. What? No, go for it. Oh, apparently, even Harry Styles has a third nipple. Sure does. I heard even Mark Harry Styles. does. Yeah, I think Kate Moss might, but I do not know from personal experience. But Lily Allen, Joanna Krupa, and Harry Styles has two extra nipples. Ugh. He's got a quad nips. But apparently, a lot of people don't realize they have it. I was sitting around this group of scientists. We were at science communication camp. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends from a group called the Nerd Brigade. They're all a bunch of cool scientists. Two of them were like, "Oh yeah, I got that." Lifted what? up their shirts, and I saw two trinips. At that table, what are the odds? Not apparently, not that slim. Did they actually have like the features? You could like, was it like areola and the nipple in the middle? Or was it just like that would pass for a birthmark if you hadn't told me? Or I would, if I were gazing at their chest, I would think just a mole. Okay. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even blink twice or take a picture of it. So, so can you have a mole in that? First of all, I didn't know about that milk line. Is that I'm assuming where like other animals have uh, like all their nipples fall on those on that line? Yeah, it must be like a nipple track. Yeah, it must be like a fast track to like nipple track town. lighting. But you have, yeah, <laughs> um, but if you have a mole on that line, it doesn't mean automatically it is a nipple. It's just saying that sometimes it, or, or can, can you have a mole that's not a nipple that falls on that line? OK, sure. Here probably. Here is how to tell the difference between a regular mole and an extra nipple. Okay. Three ways to tell okay. according to this Yahoo article. Oh, yes. Third nipples have nipple-like qualities. Well, fuck you. <laughs> it has a little bump around the middle. Okay. A little bump in the... Sorry, a little bump in the middle, like a nipple would have, and may have some hair around it. But I've got moles that have hair. Like, I've got a mole in my yeah, arm that has hair uh, growing out right, of it. Right, I've got... Uh, I have read about people that have that. Uh, yeah, yeah a, a friend. Your friend, right? A friend, yeah, I have a friend that has that. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, second way to tell. 
They are found directly down from your nipple on what's known as the mammary line. This starts around your collarbone, goes through the normal nipple on either side, and down into your groin. First of all, normal is a little nipple normative. I'm not yeah, sure I like right. them referring to these two as the only uh, way it can be. Yeah, but I prefer yeah. median. Sure. But, uh, any mole down that line is worth a second look. And <laughs> How exciting. It's almost like you're walking around as an oyster, and then someone's like, hey... You've got a pearl in you, and you have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, there are people right now, I want everyone who's listening to this, if you're, even if you're at work, if you're on the subway, why don't you pull up your shirts, boys, girls, whatever. I want to check now. Do a nip check. Well, here's the third way to tell. They may actually have some breast tissue underneath. Women who are pregnant can notice swelling behind a third nipple, uh, Mentor says, and in rare cases may even produce milk from that nipple. Whoa, you got a third spigot. See, I want to check. All right, Google image search woman third nipple. I want to see. Got any nips? Is that a nip? I don't know. No, I think, what? I think that's just a mole. That's like oh. a very little mole. Mm, you just think that's a... That's too small, a mole I think. on your mammary line right below. I, you, that might be a third nipple. This is thrilling. You might have... Actually, that is right on the line she's talking about. Yeah. You that might, is, that's right on the line, but... It, what it, if it we just found... <laughs> what if we just found... This is what I'm saying. What if I found out I'm like more nipple than man? Right. This is like, honestly, it is like finding a pearl. This is so exciting. And the other thing is, some people, you guys, I'm going to blow your mind. Some people will have a goddamn nipple on their foot. I, I'm, Google image search showed that also. Yeah, with Can I this swear? one is a very yes. Do whatever Fuck you want. Yes. Okay. See, I think this is just a mole. I'm. I'm but I, I don't know. Does it have nipple-like features? It, I don't think it. I don't think it really does. It's I don't like slightly, how long I'm looking at your. It does have hair coming out of it. It does, does. have hair, but then so no right. more hair than so, the one on my arm, right, mm. right. unless that's a unless that's an arm nipple. Just all I'm saying is take a macro look at it in the privacy of your own uh, home or area. Check yeah. it out. Get back to us. I think it's worth. I think this is a new day for you. It's worth investigating. Listeners, yeah. if you find a third nipple, take a picture, yep. tweet it at Probably Science, and use a, a, a hashtag third science nipple. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the one on Mark Wahlberg really does have a pronounced like nipple and areola. Like, yeah. I never really... Some people, some people get theirs pierced with a, just a wee little gauge barbell. Anyway. Amazing. How did we get... St- oh, because Jesse might not... Ha- or might have extra... He might not have nipples. You guys check in with him. Supernumerary, supernumerary, right. or maybe subnumerary. Oh yeah, because like he might have zero. Fewer than than normal. Again, not to shame. No. And everyone's nipples mm-hmm. are great. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, there's so many subdivisions of supernumerary nipples on Wikipedia. This is. I know. A- you can see why I went down. You know what? You know what was happening while I went down this rabbit hole, you guys. You're like, Allie, what were you doing? Where you went so deep, deep down like a serious nipple abyss? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just a fucking earthquake. In the middle of an earthquake a couple nights ago, it was one in the morning. Oh, yeah. There was like a five-point earthquake, mm-hmm. and I was like, ugh, there's an earthquake. And then I just kept Googling. I didn't even Google, was there an earthquake and how big was it? I was like, let me continue down this path, and why do they why do they grow on feet and stuff? Well, I And can then s- I was like, all right, I'll check that well, out. Well, I can see the instincts as well. If, if an earthquake is happening, you're like, well, how might I survive this nutrition Nipple. Like, that's, I can see the obvious link. Mm-hmm. Right, sure. I can see how you might be led to think that. When confronted with death, I was looking for the beginning of life. At your most vulnerable. It's true. It's possible. I can't believe you weren't trying to just race to Twitter with the first earthquake joke. No, I was, is... like, I, I was like, listen, earth, fissures in the earth, listen, erupting seismic activity. I'm doing something more important right now. Mm-hmm. I will Don't tend- have time for your nonsense, for yep. your shaky, shaky nonsense. Yeah, I'll tend to your little your little earth burps, right. your little seismic farts in a minute, but I got to check this nip thing. I got to find out. Wait, so you were saying- Which, by the way, like, I think that's a good way to think, like, earth, if you are having some earthquakes right now, it's completely normal. Don't be self-conscious. Mm-hmm. Right. Let it rip. Yeah. Let it rip. It's better out than in. Right. You know what they call those in the military? A fu- like a flatulence? Earthquakes or farts? No. Oh, okay. Flatulence. They call it fluffing. Isn't that a nice way to put it mm. in the military? I learned that recently. I've got a suspicion that's also what it gets called in some parts of Britain. It sounds, ver- it sounds like very north British. of England. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't or, that sound non-threatening though? Well, I mean, farts sounds non-threatening. No. Non-threatening. Non-threatening. Not threatened by your fart. <laughs> not fluffing your fart. I think we call you it. Go threaten me. Well, the south of England it gets called air shitting. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just air shit. <laughs> episode you've ever had. No, it's fixing to be the best. It starts this, off with extra nipples. This might already be the most highbrow episode we've done. Mm-hmm. I just, I love science, guys. <laughs> what can I say? So how did you end up down the sort of science path? Because that wasn't your, like when I first met you, you 
you were part of a duo making weird cooking videos and mm-hmm. bartending videos online, and they were all super funny and they were great. Right. Um, so I started my my BFF Georgia Hardstark and mm-hmm. I. We do the Slumber Party podcast together, but we have been friends for like eight years and we put up this video uh, with this very uh, ironic cocktail that was disgusting it was an abomination it was called a McNuggetini it involved drinking barbecue sauce that went viral and then we got this deal with Food Network and Cooking Channel to make more videos like like kind of like tongue in cheek uh, like abominable mixology videos and then we'd make some good drinks too like we know we know our stuff like we, we just dove in and studied it but before that I always felt like such a a charlatan in that world because before that I had been I studied science in college and through high school like AP science like um, you know started in college as you know organic chemistry and everything oh damn okay okay I was like a lab nerd and I was studying I wanted to be a biological illustrator I love natural science and then I also studied film and so I kind of wound up doing I always kind of wanted to do science tv or tv and i liked acting too but then once i actually did it i was like this is dramatic and kind of terrible <laughs> traumatic with a t dramatic also but mostly traumatic to be like they're like you're pretending to get raped in this audition and you're like i don't really want to experience yeah. that in and my why is that scene even in the sitcom like it <laughs> seems unnecessary it's an animated movie about bears <laughs> yeah. Um, they just want to see your range, Ali. Right? So I was like, Ugh. so I was writing for the LA Times, and I was illustrating, and I always loved science. And then, um, and then the cocktail video was just like this one-off joke that just like this little door opened, and we got covered in the New York Times. And it was just like between me and Georgia, we're like, listen, let's just run with this as far as we can take it because this is a ridiculous yeah, prank yeah. on the world we just accidentally just pulled. And so we've been doing that. We still do it. We have two cooking shows and we travel all over the country. And then I do my science show on the side. And Georgia really loves murder. So she has a murder podcast on the side. So we both do our individual <laughs> things. <laughs> but yeah, I've always loved science. I always wanted to go into that. So and I've always kind of kept up. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, it's, you, know, I used, you know what I used to do in college when I was, a, I was goth and a virgin? And I would ask my lab teachers for extra owl pellets so that on Saturdays at home I could dissect them, take out the maggots, and reconstruct the mouse skeletons in them. This is a hobby. Damn. Did you ever get a full mouse skeleton together? Um, I did, yeah, most of one. I mean, because an owl pellet is usually just like a regurgitated ball of hair. One single, it's a one-to-one mouse to pellet thing. Yeah, so when I wasn't playing Magic the Gathering with my other virgin friends... I was electively sorting through fur and maggots. So how do you how do you uh, do you glue? What do you do with the bones to make them stay to get back together again? It's so exciting. It's such a disgusting puzzle. <laughs> like just talking about it, like makes me have to pee a little bit. I'm like, this is so great. Okay, so you find an owl pellet, and like you hopefully you like do it with some gloves or some tweezers, okay. and then. You'll start picking out the bones, and you'll start to see, like, okay, here's these are obviously rib bones, so you start to size them out. These are obviously, you know, vertebrae, so you start to kind of put those in order. And it's it's almost like a, putting together a f- weird dinosaur fossil, but it's just a owl barf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, but you will find some maggots in there sometimes. Okay. But you didn't make a three-dimensional thing. You just kind of laid them out flat-wise where they're supposed yeah. to be? Or? And you glue them on some paper, and you're okay. like, Mom, okay. Dad, and they're like, are you, are you ever going to get a boyfriend? <laughs> You're like, probably not. I I'm did, like, though. I could find the skeleton of a boyfriend yeah. and glue it together. <laughs> what is I, a boyfriend's uh, natural predator? Yeah. Let me see if he pukes something up that might be boyfriend-shaped. Hey, uh, Professor, do you happen to have any kind of six-foot owls that might have swallowed anything in the last... That's very sad. I did actually get a boyfriend eventually. You keep insisting that this happened. I swear I to like God. He lived in Niagara Falls. <laughs> the Canada side, of right, course. Right, right, right. <laughs> Don't ask. His number's unlisted. Right, but, yeah. right. No. He's a very beautiful man, though. <laughs> no, so that was my background, and then I moved to L.A., and I, I kind of lost touch with nature a little bit because there wasn't as much, and then... I started volunteering at the Natural History Museum a couple years ago, and I was like, oh, there is nature in L.A. This what don't so you do? Wait, so you paint, you volunteer, Ooh, you yeah. act in podcast and uh, write. And I, cook. And cook. Uh, and mix. I do everything just poorly enough. So I feel like a charlatan in every capacity. Like, around my science friends, I feel like a total idiot because they have PhDs from Caltech and around my comedy friends oh. I'm like I've never done stand up I'm just a, I'm a, just a loser in every facet but a winner on the whole well I we're both doing a comedy show with science in the title and Andy actually used his engineering degree for about a month oh no yeah. like a year a month a solid year no, two. six years six years yeah. okay yeah. what did you engineer 
uh, electrical. I engineered electrical. Electrical. Mm-hmm. That sounds more like a uh, an adjective than a noun. I thought you said, "What did I engineer?" Electrical. So, yeah. what kind of things? <laughs> does what that... kind of things? Okay. I want a noun to follow that um, adjective. <laughs> electrical actual... items. See, actually, what Matt said isn't totally accurate. Like, the jobs that I had were related, but they weren't even that. Like, the first year was a consultant, because that was a pretty big thing, or easy to get a job in if you were an engineer. And then for four years, I... What did I... In San Francisco, I worked for a dot-com consultancy, and I was, like, overseeing builds of... I don't even... It was basically... I was doing software there. And then in Portland... And I just talked about this last week or two weeks ago, but um, I would help... I was an applications engineer, so I would help people that were using the chips that this company designed to build projectors, like companies like Sanyo or Epson or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would help them debug their problems with the hardware and software that we gave them that they modified. So either I would try to debug it, or more often than not, I would just like see what the problem is and then email back to HQ where the actual developers were. So I wasn't really doing... A lot of it was just like customer. It wasn't much engineering, really. So you were doing... Well, let's yeah. just say you were doing stuff. Stuff. You were doing sure. stuff. Software, I, I guess. Is, I, I guess never once used my degree. And What was your degree in? Mine was in math. Math? Yeah. Really? But then I just scraped through undergrad and then... Every, like we've talked about this before on the show. Everyone, so there should be a drinking all, game for how many times we've talked. Yeah, but all I'm of my sorry. no, 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 no. It's fine, it's fine. but it's like all, yeah, all of my good friends from university are like professors or working research scientists, and I'm the idiot clown. Right. It's but it's good to at least be around people who like to talk about science stuff here and there because you'll learn things. Yeah. For example, I'm and sure I think that's what we're, our show is for. Our show is for accidentally stumbling on mm-hmm. real facts. Right. On Slumber Party, we start every episode with one thing we learned each week and George's is usually historical or about a murder and mine is is like 70% of the time about a bug usually bug fucking usually bug sex where I'm like listen well here's something I learned this week courtesy of uh, listener Claire Drew who sent in this story Uh, there is a third lizard sex uh, third sex lizards could outcompete their normal female cousins again using the word normal in a very so much uh, by definition using the word normal is normative I guess isn't yeah, it yeah I, th- I think Virginia, Virginia Morell author of this sciencemag.org article actually it might not have been Virginia because this is the headline could have been the sub-editor of sciencemag.org but either way they're not abnormal they're okay. just more common right what right. are if they? you're a lizard that has a third sex uh Unlike mammals, the sex of central bearded dragons, which is large lizards found in eastern Australia, is determined by the chromosomes and the environment. If the eggs are incubated in high temperatures, male embryos turn into females. Such sex-reversed lizards still retain the chromosomal makeup of a male, but they develop into functional super-females, whose output of eggs exceeds that of the regular females. Now, a new study predicts that in some cases, these super females may be able to drive regular ones to extinction. <gasps> right? That's because super females not only produce more eggs, but they're also exceptionally bold. Typical men muscling in. I uh, know. I was going to say, they probably hmm. make like 100% of the of amount of eggs, yeah. and then the, the actual female lizards make like 70 I bet these ones are also the ones that always ask questions first at conferences. Oh. <laughs> uh, they lizards plain. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Now, what kind of um, lizards? We're all just, we're just talking cloacas, right? And then what the reproductive organs are tucked inside. Birds they, have those, right? Is that yeah. also what lizards do? The birds have cloacas. I I think most reptiles have cloacas as well, but I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if like there's if there's like a dingle dangle tucked right inside or not. I'm actually not super super versed on lizard. Uh, I do love a cloaca, though. I, when I first found out about it, I was fascinated. Yeah, just a single hole for all, uh, one hole to rule them all. Like I know. it's yeah, and it's and that's why I guess eggs are are dangerous as far as um, what salmonella or what's the thing you can get salmonella. It's just because it's coming out the same place that. I feel like if Apple designed a butthole, it would be a cloaca. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but then how would you get to keep the poop off the eggs? But then it would also change every four years right. or so, and everyone get furious. Like I My just, is obsolete I just got the right shape one, and I've got like ten of them in the house, and I've bought a alarm clock that has the connection built in, mm. and now they're changing it. I know it's uh, but it's it's an exciting evolution. I mean, well, dinosaurs, you know, cloacas, birds are dinosaurs, so boom. Okay, I didn't I didn't know this. Uh, let me. Birds so, are dinosaurs. While you're looking it up. No, I knew that, but I just didn't know that... Uh, okay, yeah. A couple that's... more little facts about this. So looking at the shape, physiology, and behavior of 20 sex-reverse females, 55 males, and 40 regular females, 
Scientists found that the sex-reversed dragons were physically similar to regular males. They had a male dragon's long tail and high body temperature. They were also behaviorally similar, acting like bold, active males, even as they produced viable eggs. Indeed, the scientists report that these sex-reversed females were behaviorally more male-like than the genetic males. Ooh. Because of these advantages, the third sex could reproductively outcompete normal females, the scientists say, possibly causing some populations to lose the female sex chromosome. Uh, females of the heterogametic sex, like human males. Uh, in such a, pro- a population, the dragon sex would then be determined solely by temperature instead of genetics, something that's occurred in the lab within a single generation. Could it happen in the wild? The scientists are still investigating. Well, with global warming, who knows? Mm. I wonder how what the temperature difference is, because if they're incubated at a higher temperature, they turn into super females, right? Yeah. Also known as bad bitches. Let's, uh, let's see. There, there is a link from this, so I might have an answer. This is really fascinating. I hadn't heard this. But, I mean, there's so much sexual fluidity in nature. Like, in sea slugs, they have traumatic uh, cranial insemination, and it's like, whoever... I'm going to... I'm going to poke my dick in your head um, whoever gets pregnant first turns into the female like there's all that's awesome of stuff. and that also sounds like an eight year old's very misguided idea of where babies I come know. from <laughs> there's no all- seriously the man puts his thing in her head and the person who says something first I mean essentially it's like you tap out and you're like I- I'm knocked up you win this round Larry that's my dad's name and I wish I hadn't said that <laughs> But you know what I mean. Um, so there's tons, there's tons of that, and there's there's even uh, we talked about this when we had um, David Epstein on uh, talking about the sports gene, his book on the science of elite athletics. There's even um, is it XXY? Like, there's some women who are chromosomally. I could be fucking this up. Uh, uh, they have they have the outward appearance of. Well, they, the, yeah. Well, there's there's numerous different intersex situations, which again is sort of. But things that don't even really get uh, classified. Yeah, there are still... plenty of people walking around who have no idea that their that their chromosomes aren't the classic matching to their outward appearance that they mm-hmm. think. So there are plenty of people who assume that they are XY because they are in every way female, but actually they are uh, sorry XX. XX, XX rather. Mm-hmm. But then there are like XXY and XYY people, Ooh. and there are people who are XY but uh, whose body bodies don't respond to testosterone at all. Oh, that's right, yeah. So they have a Y chromosome, but they don't develop any female sexual characteristics. Huh. They, Are those people... Wait, they have a Y chromosome? Oh, sorry, male, rather. They, right. they develop they develop to all extents and purposes like they were XX. Right, right. And I forgot, those people can't reproduce... I think so. I could Those be people wrong. sounds very dismissive. But right? yeah. <laughs> And then there are also people who are, I think it's XXY... Uh, and a, and according to David Epstein's book, a large number of supermodels have right, that characteristic right. because because one of the characteristics of I believe it's XXY. I apologize if we're wrong. Is women who are often taller than average and Smaller have hips. quite pronounced yeah and have quite pronounced bone structure and all the kind of things that so like models okay. often end up having. I'm not a supermodel. It just means I you're just, a lady. It just means that I have. Regular garden variety, boring ass XX. Dull XX. God, that's actually, it's fascinating that I wonder if anyone's been like, I'm just going to do 23 and Me, and then it comes back with like, bzoings. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're going to be a supermodel. Yeah. Have well, you guys? Gotten- yeah, here's the curious stuff. You're from, uh, you're fifth, 30% African. Uh, <laughs> and also XY. Yeah. Right. Also, your chromosomes don't in any way match up. Have you gotten, to, have you done 23 and Me? No. Oh, no. Did someone, did you do it? I did it, yeah. What was your, what was the impetus for doing it? Um, uh, Georgia and I both wanted to do it and then figure out what, uh, what our, you know, um, our makeup was essentially, mm-hmm. not cosmetically, but genetically. Sure, sure. And uh, you spit into this little cup, this little vial. It's a I'm little, in. It's a little vial. <laughs> it is a little disgusting. Yeah, you spit in this cup and then you said put it off in the mail and then in like four weeks they're like, uh, you're Italian and you're like, I knew that. Okay. But then you take all of your the DNA, they won't do it on 23andMe because it's just too many lawsuits and they stop doing it, but then you can feed it into like Prometheus or Genetic Genie and it'll tell you other things about you that are just... Disease things. Yes, so many disease things. So fascinating. I, I thought they at some point s- narrowed down the things that they told you. I think... I feel like 23, because there was a little bit of a backlash, mm-hmm. they don't tell you as much as they originally did yeah. because people were like, oh, I'm definitely going to get this type of cancer. And doctors had to be like, actually, this means you've got a, 
one percent extra chance of getting this thing that you have a one percent chance of getting so right and people getting panicked and doing unnecessary tests and procedures but there are third parties where you can take that dump of dna info and put it in them and then they'll tell you the good shit they'll do this super like weird just the genetic gossip that you want to hear about yourself like what are people saying about me it's like oh you're gonna get cancer but i saw yeah i never do that that's like sort of yeah, that, no. No, like I did hack, it. It's like hacking into your partner's email or something. It's like, oh, I'm going to find, oh, never a good idea. Never a good idea. It was great. My genetic, my readout was just like, number one, you're a superior human being. Right. Uh, you're amazing. Uh, you're probably so fun at a party. Everyone loves you. Uh, hmm. You should have more Instagram followers. It was just like all <laughs> stuff that I knew already. Right. Yeah, yeah. Was this 23andMe or a fortune cookie? Was there any chance this was uh, a dessert at a Chinese restaurant? No, it did say that like your hair is very coarse and curly, and I was like, damn right. And It is? Oh, uh, yeah. That's why it's in a bun right now, okay. you guys. It's a disaster. But um, yeah, like my eye color, like had a picture of my eye color, and I was like, that's true. And Oh, because so you don't send them anything but the spit. So you can also tell like obvious things to know if they're right. Yeah, like, like they don't have a picture of you. There's no, 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 no. It's, no, not, no. Like, it's yeah. not like you sent in like, like a, a locket John Edwards with yourself. who's like doing research ahead of time. Or <laughs> but it's weird because it comes back and you're like, oh yeah, like my aunt has that disease. Oh, okay. Me too, maybe. I just looked on their site to show other traits that they'll tell you about, and those yeah. include asparagus odor detection. That's true. I know that, and it is not mine was accurate. <laughs> and photic or photic sneeze reflex. So I assume it's sneezing when you look at like the sun, which oh, I have. I have that too. I thought everyone had that, but nope. maybe it's not. No, I can look at the sun all day, and all that happens is I go blind. <laughs> Smart. Uh, Do not look. Watch me. Watch me now. <laughs> watch me stare at the I dare sun. you. I dare you. It'll also tell you about bald spots, which I should check on that. So far, so good. On the spot, I'm not in the receding, but in the bald spot thing. But I wonder, my dad has a bald spot. My mom's dad didn't. So Apparently, that's meant to follow your maternal... Right. That's what they say. I don't know about that. Grandparents I don't know if that's, if that's accurate. But it is fun, because you can dive down a real deep rabbit hole of just yeah. like... And then you just start being like, I'm just a bunch of, I'm just a bunch of squishy fluids and codes and you're proteins. Like, you're like, is there any point even doing anything mm. if everything's predetermined by a couple of chemicals? Yes. Do you guys think we're a simulation? No. No, you don't know. What well, do you think of Elon Musk saying? Ask when I, when I hear people that. talking about that, though, I'm like, well, by, by the definition you're using, it would sort of be irrelevant. It wouldn't mean anything. Even if we were, it doesn't mean anything about... It. There's no action you would take differently based on that, so it doesn't matter, kind of? No, I would start looting immediately. Okay, (laughs) instant looting, yeah. (laughs) None of this counts. What would you do if you found out, like, some intel came out and it was just like, beep bop, uh, this is all a big simulation from... Like, uh, you suddenly see the big, like, a big hat, like, or like a giant, like, a massive bagel just falls from the sky (laughs) that the guy running this all accidentally drops. (laughs) Yes! What would you do if you found out this was all just a big, just a big computer game of someone else's i think the bigger thing would be what would i do if everyone had that information at once right because then everybody's gonna go crazy and then you'll have to decide what kind of crazy you're gonna go because if, if only you find out about it like you're still subject to all the same rules in this simulation as you were before and consequences so right. like nothing which i don't know is that too that's not a very fun answer but nothing would change for me unless everyone knew there was there's nothing that you are too afraid to do because of personal failure that you would just say well balls this is a simulation so i'm just going to do this and fail maybe if that's all that was keeping it, me from doing it then i could also right now just use the logic that i'll be dead someday so i should just do it but right. that still doesn't get me out of my stupid uh like what would what would you do like if someone if you knew had, you couldn't fail yeah like, okay but, but if that's the question then sure. i don't know uh, i'd go um i don't even have an answer for that you don't have an answer at all <laughs> if i couldn't fail what would i do what would you do if you couldn't fail uh, probably t- to have a goat farm and okay. just live a chill lifestyle. I, you know what that I've does, always... The failure of goat farms is what keeps people from going to a goat farm. <laughs> like it's really... It's a tough... So you basically do Farmville. <laughs> yeah. If you knew you were a simulation, you would then turn your life into a Facebook game. Yeah, it'd be Farmville with just a side of Candy Crush. I'd just be <laughs> diabetic with all these goats and just happy as fuck. Right? <laughs> I don't know. I think that I'm... Because I'm so... I've always been re- like really high strong and like i've always been like a high achiever mm-hmm. i've always been like oh i i can't i better not screw this up because it i think people think that like if you're a high achiever or perfectionist you must think very highly of yourself but it's completely the opposite yeah. and you're just like oh i have to work so hard to be as successful as normal people so you're just so i think i would ease up on the the achievement aspects of my life and i would kick it in a hammock if you and you would just have like one thing that you you would know that you are the best. Why would it seems counterintuitive that you would relax more if you knew you couldn't fail? 
Because right now you don't really think you're going to fail, do you? I mean, you oh, haven't God. failed at anything. All the time. What? Do you know that women are way more likely to, to worry about being homeless than men are? Like a quarter of all women are like plagued with the fear. I think it's something like that. Check my stats. But of being homeless. Like I, I have this horrible fear in my life that just like floats over me like a vision of winding up in like a really terrible unair conditioned apartment in, in Encino alone and maybe there's like a really stinky litter box in there and but I, no cat may, yeah yeah who, who did it come from maybe it's my litter box it's none of your business <laughs> and I get my groceries at like the 99 cent store and I just keep trying to hustle and make something and nothing works and then I just die alone in LA is that terrible? I think you're describing what's going to happen to me in six weeks. No. <laughs> when I get kicked out of this house. Encino's got some nice parts. Allie. I know. I think now that I've looked more into the real estate market, I'm like, actually, Encino's a pretty Tony neighborhood. I always yeah. thought it was terrible. But yeah, you're going to move. What are you guys going to do? Uh, what's the problem? Like, I haven't had to look at apartments in five years, and it's it's a nightmare. Oh, obviously, God, you know, fifteen hundred dollar studios and stuff. Like, it's insane. I can't. I don't know what I'm going to do. It doesn't, it's not fun to think about. And I, you know, I don't know if I should even be having roommates at this age, but if I don't, then it's ridiculously expensive. I got to start getting rid of all my stuff. I already started Craigslisting things because I've just been accumulating shit because I can in this house. So if you want surfboards, if you want guitar amps, getting rid of all of it. By the way, if if anybody, uh, uh, any friends of mine listening, if I start giving you things for free, don't, um, I know it's like a sign of like suicide. It's not that. I'm just moving. (laughs) So don't think that you have to like get me committed or something. It's like a clean to suicide. It's a slow death. (laughs) I'm just going to start giving stuff away. Then again, once you start looking at more rentals, you might become suicidal. I'm just. Might kill two birds and a a person. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know a place you can live. Where? Uh, Space? Yeah. In an inflatable. Oh, good. Yeah. You saw where this is going. Uh, an inflatable add-on room in the International Space Station. What's this now? Tell me more. Uh, this is a start. Is this was this Justin one of Justin Broads? I believe it was. That sounds right. Uh, NASA has successfully expanded and pressurized an add-on room at the International Space Station in its efforts to test expandable habitats astronauts may use on the Moon or Mars in the coming decades. Mm. The three-day operation produced the world's first pump-up compartment for astronauts. The flexible habitat known as the Bigelow Expandable Activity Module so much room for beam is, is what that acronym is, slowly extended to 170 centimeters so, uh, at 4.10 p.m. Blah, uh, Put that centimeters into American for us. Well, it's about a, it's just it's about a meter and three quarters. So it's still a meter. So just done just shy of two yards. Uh Right, six, and then put yards into feet. feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so around six feet. Yeah. Thank you. We are never going to get the metric system, are we? We're too dumb. It's, we can't be trusted with the metric system. Even in this article, it talked about inflating it, and it talked about the um, the number of kilograms per square inch. I'm like, you guys can't even decide within one measurement what you're doing uh, per square inch. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like, what are you doing? That's like a mixed metaphor. Mm-hmm. We, I, the fact that America has not adopted the metric system is one of the one of my greater shames in my nat- yeah. in terms of my five and a half feet. Pride. By the way, near five and a half. Thank okay. you. Okay, so it's five and a half feet in di- it's did you almost say diameter. A it's like here's a picture of it, and we'll link to this over. It on looks almost like a big fat com. barrel, like an extent, like a. Like a, a plump barrel. barrel. Yeah. It looks like a Jiffy Pop grew out of the side it, of your that's space. That's exactly station. what it is. It's exactly it actually it's yeah, and it has the same kind of like isn't there a part on top that's that doesn't expand or just the label I guess is the part right. that doesn't yeah. Right. And so it looks like Jiffy Pop. Astronaut Jeff Williams released short blasts of air into the pod's walls from the orbiting lab using a manual valve. Is that his, uh, instead of fluffing, that's what they call it in space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Release the short blasts. Uh, after the expansion was completed, Williams ex- opened eight air tanks inside beam, pressurizing the pod to a level close to the space station's 6.6 kilograms per square inch. The and mod- then they set a record for the number of times people went back and forth saying, no, no, you go first. Yeah. <laughs> the module is fully expanded at this point and fully pressurized, uh, says a NASA spokesman. A uh, very successful day today with the expansion of the first expandable human-rated habitat to ever be flown in space. Uh, expandable habitats are designed to take up less room on a spacecraft but provide greater volume for living and working in space once expanded. Astronauts will now perform a series of tests to ensure the pod does not leak air and conduct other preparations before entering it through the station's tranquility module for the first time in about a week. Um, what are they going to do in that little that little happy pod? I don't know. Hang. Is it chill? Do, it's like a little conjugal nook or something? What are they going to do in there? Yeah, I don't think there's any partners up there, but, you know, conjugal doesn't have to be... 
Hey, what happens in the International Space Station? <laughs> Can you visit yourself conjugally? Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> well, I think so. I wonder what it is. is are they going to put like a jacuzzi in there or... Oh, zero g- jacuzzi sounds. Oh, let's see. Pretty pretty awesome. d- they just hot water droplets. Just it's just like uh, uh, like Veruca Salt. Um, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I yes. can't. I have a picture in my head that I can't describe. But uh, listeners, uh, so go watch that movie. So efforts to inflate it got underway after the first attempt failed on Thursday because of too much friction between the pod walls fabrics. Maybe because it had been packaged le- left packaged for longer than originally planned. Uh, the inflation process may be better described as unfolding since it takes very little air to bring the pod to full size. Only about 1.8 kilograms per square inch. Oh, that's what PSI is. Pounds per square inch? Mm-hmm. What? what? No. Hang on, what? Wait, PSI what? is pounds per square inch, but it says 0.18 kilograms per square inch. Per, oh, they, wait, they, they think the P means per? No, the P definitely means... <laughs> definitely means pounds this is an article yeah this is an article on an australian news website which might explain the confusion of they might have just converted the kilograms but left the inch because they're like this is too complicated if i have to do two different things in my you know it might have been translation of the article from another one where they were like yeah that's probably what it is and they're also like who's going to be sitting here and looking at this (laughs) minutiae they're like Who's in a dinner party in America? I know, a but at a dinner party, science. someone's gonna be like, "Hey, did you hear they put Jiffy Pop in space?" And then that's all you're gonna say at a dinner party, yeah. and then you're gonna move on. Yeah. What you're more likely to remember is the fact that the expansion caused a popping sound, not unlike that of popcorn, as the structure slowly oh. filled out, as shown on live video feed from the space station. And I'm sorry, who was responsible for the construction and the? Uh, Bigelow Aerospace. Bigelow As part of an $18 million contract with NASA. Ooh. That is Catherine Bigelow's company. I know. I I don't think I've heard of Bigelow Aerospace. I wonder where they're out of. Uh, They are out of uh, North Las Vegas, Nevada. Interesting. Mm, That's right. Shout out. They're they're half casino, half aerospace. (laughs) Um, They have a great buffet. Yeah. (laughs) It's all astronaut ice cream. It is, but you can have as much of it as you like, and it really is a deal. Did you ever have? Did you ever go to space camp or want to? I didn't, but uh, now that you mention it, I had a terrifying experience two weeks ago doing aeronautics training with the Air Force. What? What don't you do? (laughs) God damn you! I have um, I have two science shows in development with ABC right now, Uh, and I'm not allowed to talk about one of them. Such a failure. I know. I know this is all because I just need to f- realize it's a simulation right. and I need to go on vacation. Let's get that goat farm. The worst part about having a travel show too is that you're like, oh, I want to go on vacation all the time. And then you have to remember like waking up at like five in the morning to get eyelashes glued on your face mm. and like to try to interview someone is not vacation. But I have not been on a vacation in many, many years. But I, I've been on so few. I think again, because I travel all the time for comedy and particularly when I was based in the UK, there were so many gigs abroad. So you go like, oh, I've got to go to Asia. I've got to go to the you know yeah. the Middle East. I've got to go all over Europe, and you realize, yes, kind of. But you don't shut off on those trips. You get to see things, and right. I, sometimes in a better way than the tourists do, because you get taken around by locals, and that's great. But you're constantly that like whenever you're going through these cities, there's always the bit at the back of your head that's like, okay, well, that's something I should remember and talk about later tonight. Like you're always kind of thinking, what can I joke about rather than just look at this amazing classical architecture or this like, like work of art. Like there's, like, a, there's an accountant in your brain who's like writing off your thoughts as, as yeah, a, right. Yeah. But I mean, you're expense. not yeah, you're not like just burping in a hammock. You're actually like engaged. But I mean, I I you know whatever. If you get to travel for work, you're lucky to smash right. it. So that's good. But I did go to I went to um, uh, San Antonio where they have several. Uh, Air Force bases, and I got to do a couple different. Like, uh, I got put in a hypoxia chamber, which is a um, which is a low pressure like simulation, so up to twenty five thousand feet, and to see oh, how God. long I could survive without air. <laughs> without oh, the thing is, is when you're up in high altitudes, um, there's less pressure, but there's as much as much oxygen in the air. It just because it lacks the pressure, it can't get into your your tissues to use it. So then you see how long it takes before you start acting drunk, which I was, it was a completely surreal experience. It was like being on so many drugs and you start to realize like nothing you're saying is making sense and everyone's looking at you. And um, I started talking about, you've got to gang load your regulator, which is when you air, you force air into your, your mask like Top Gun. That way you can get 
you can get oxygen back in your blood. And I started, I couldn't put it on myself, and I just started talking about lemons. And they're like, they're like, seat 14, do you know what to do? And I was like, i got to pull the lemons. And they're like, what do you know? <laughs> and then I went in a centrifuge, which have you ever seen videos of that? Yeah. <gasps> like, I know exactly the thing. Yes. Okay, when, when did you see that? What did you see? Well, I've Explain seen... Explain to me. People's faces getting pushed back. Yeah, because they, like, yeah. they mount, on those centrifuges, uh, they mount a camera that's out along the arm. So it's just looking at you. And you just see your face get more and more pushed back, and then you start to get dizzy, right? Did yep. you pass out? Um, yeah, you start to lose vision. There, there. So it I, goes to tunnel vision first, right? Mm-hmm, it goes to tunnel vision, and then you can have a gray out. When you have hypoxia, you can have a red out, which is when blood floods into your eyes. And I did have a red out, but um, which can be dangerous. But um, but with the centrifuge, so they, here's the deal: they put you in a pod, right? It's like the size of a Fiat. It's like a small car. Mm-hmm. You're you're in a flight suit, and then they put a G suit on you. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. So G suits like a compression chaps. thing, right? Yeah. yeah, but that's that's designed so that at higher G's, it starts to constrict around your legs to keep to keep the blood nearer where it needs to be, like in the important organs. Exactly. Yes. So you, they look like chaps. They lace them up on you, and then it connects to a hose that uh, that looks like a big dong that's on the side of your hip, and it connects. And then when you when you're under a certain amount of G forces, it inflates it pressurizes your legs kind of you just your legs get squeezed and then you hopefully you don't have blood pooling in your lower extremities away from your brain so and the, isn't there also there's like a a special breathing technique that the yeah. pilots are trained like the combat pilots are trained to use that keeps you more keeps you from passing out mm-hmm. yeah it's anti-g straining maneuver i think um agsm and so they they'll give you training in it beforehand but what ha- and they do have the camera mounted there and you've got the whole control room can see you you're in this huge it's like the size of half a football field concrete chamber you're spinning on this pod on this you know on an arm and uh they're all talking to you you can hear them you're in this suit you're buckled in there are barf bags in the chair in case you need them and they say if you can't get to a barf bag in time you just pull your flight suit out and just bar you just barf on your boobs oh. Just you, all, all of your nipples. You just shower your nipples. But in I your mean, vomit. isn't it just no matter what you do, your barf's probably just going to go behind you, right? Or not if you get it into your suit. If you go down quickly enough, yeah. it's going to. So so then you'd have to be like hose yourself down afterwards. Oh sure, yeah. But and but did the, you avoid throwing up then? I did. I was terrified. I I had the most nervous stomach, and I. Uh, Ever, I was like, has anyone ever shit themselves? Or like, it happens every once in a while. I was like, no, not me, not today. And um, but so you get into it. I was really scared. Your face ages about ten years for every G, so you can see. I went up to five point six, and uh, apparently, I was talking to a friend uh, yesterday at a at a wedding who was an engineer for uh, SpaceX. He was talking about um, a pod that would get people to the ISS that they're working on at SpaceX, and um. I was like, how many G's do they undergo? And he's like, I'm trying to keep it under six. And I was like, damn, I did the same thing. But if you're a G monster and you really get all the way up, you'll go up to nine, which is horrific. But but 5.6 felt doable but insane it was the weirdest sensation lose your vision you could see the whole time yeah they the first time you go around uh it feels like you know when you go on like space mountain in that first dip yeah it feels like that but sustained so you're just constant like you're going over the crest of a roller coaster for like three or four minutes it just feels like everything is being pushed into the chair like you're you're Mm just You're five times heavier. Well, you are literally five times yeah, heavier you than you. Yeah, you are. You're five times heavier, and the, your your brain does a weird thing where it starts to tilt your vision up to the up to the side, so you feel like you're swinging out, but you're really still straight on. And you're, so you're sitting, and your your spine is perpendicular to the axis. Yeah. So it's being pushed towards your back, not towards your butt. Exactly. Your feet. Right. And which is which is a little bit harder when you're laying down. It's a little easier, but. The thing is, is, is I thought I would have a harder time dealing with it, but women do pretty well because of their smaller stature, so they, they have a, a shorter distance between their heart and their, their brain. So, the, But taller people have a more difficult time because that's more space between you know mm-hmm. trying to get the blood all the way up there. So um, I did okay. I did not pass out. I started to lose vision, and then you do the anti-G straining maneuver, which is essentially just like like clench your ass as hard as you can <laughs> like you you clench your your ankles your calves your hamstrings your inner thighs your your glutes your and then you push your stomach out and so you're just like it's like pilates but you are also on a roller coaster isn't that crazy and you're trying to breathe a different way also this whole time yeah or? you go it's like hick hick 
it's almost like Lamaze breathing where you are you are you're exhaling on a K sound. And so and it's super weird because then you've got 15 people watching you on this monitor while you're like you're like clenching your ass. You're almost going to barf. You're doing Lamaze breathing and then they're videotaping the whole thing. So you've seen the video of yourself doing it. It's crazy. And I look like 70. <laughs> it's really nasty. But they were telling me that they, they had a girl who was in training for it and her mom was there watching. And when she was under geez you know she looked exactly like her mom oh, which wow. was really weird <laughs> like future <laughs> casting I, I mean i get how it like it would make wrinkles at the back of your skin but it doesn't seem like it would like look like a person on earth anyway because it's all being pulled like doesn't your mouth get wider and your mouth doesn't get wider but you just get jowls because okay. everything gets pulled down but if if you haven't ever seen it go into uh like listeners go and see centrifuge training uh in, uh, there's some great ones and G-lock is what a lot of people look for because G-lock is a G-related loss of consciousness and G-lock is when you pass out you haven't done your your breathing maneuvers you haven't you know clenched maybe your G-suit isn't working and so that's when you lose consciousness and then you wake up not knowing where you are your your arms start flailing because they don't understand if you're alive yet what? again it's nuts so there's some really good G-locks <laughs> online but you can but they're talking to you the whole time. Right. It was it was the scariest thing I've ever done and I've been mugged at knife point and this was scarier and when I got out of it I felt like I could, like I'm like I can do anything now. I think come at me. Like I just Was this Randolph Air Force Base? What was the name of the base? Um I think I was at it probably it was either Brooks or Randolph. We went between two. Okay, I just found a video of some people at Randolph. Yeah, I think there's, I think that the, my guy, and here's the thing is they peer pressure you. You're in the, they're, I was like, okay, guys, don't take me past two, okay, because I don't really, and they're like, okay, we won't, we'll, we'll tell you, we won't go past three, and I was like, great, and then I did it, and they're like, you were five point six, and I was like, Damn. you bitches, thank you, though. <laughs> I, think, I think I would pass out. I think I have, like, gone black, even on, like, roller coasters sometimes. Yeah, you might be fucked. Yeah, maybe I'm too tall, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's tough. Uh, hey, you know what else is scary? What? Bacteria that are resistant to all antibiotics. Oh, Why do yeah. you have to bring up like the end times story? I know, the story that David Mass sent in. Uh, sent it into probablyscience at gmail.com, by the way, which you can too. If mm-hmm. you have any stories you want us to cover, you can also tweet them at probablyscience. And before we get on to the story, hey, Andy, you know what else is at probablyscience.com? I think there's a button you can click to donate. Am I there correct? There is a donate button. Has anybody donated recently? I, I'm sure nobody took the... You'd be wrong, actually, Andy. A heck of a lot of people. Particularly because we haven't thanked anyone for donating in a a couple of weeks. So we have a whole load of... Firstly, a whole load of monthly donations. Um, Do you want to split these up? Yeah. Let's start from... uh, You do one, I do one? Let's not do that, because that would be obnoxious. But... um, Firstly, huge, huge thanks to Li- both Linda Moulton and Catherine Lubiak because they are both donating a very, very generous amount every month. And there's some also a generous donation from Justin Broad, who also sends in a load of stories. And then also, big thank you for the monthly donations. Uh, generous, all of you from uh, Imogen Birmingham, uh, Emma Wilton, Peter Lipsy, Tony Johansson, James Casson, James Cox, Murphy Shane, Pandora Young... Matthew Arnold, Stuart Holding, Brooks Gilmore, Zvonimir Kroons, uh, and Ben Marriott. Oh, and big thank you, um, Drew Chapman, who's picked a very mathematical amount to donate. Thank you, Drew. And Rosie Simonich and Moose the Dog. I think, Ro- sorry, I think Rosalie Simonich is actually the main person donating. Yeah, I think it's on behalf But of- she does tend to send pictures of the dog, so it's hard to tell who's the donor. Uh, do you we, had some, we had some one-off donations we from did. Eric Bowles. Um, he's a high school biology teacher, and he recommends the podcast to his graduating students. Uh, he kind of has to stay away from recommending it to current students because of language. That's a good point. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a kind of weird, like, graduate. Well, you're fr- you're out of my jurisdiction now, so here's a podcast. Of all the th- of all the inappropriate things you could be doing once they're legally out of your jurisdiction, right. recommending our podcast is a good one. We appreciate that, Eric. Thank you. People like to cut loose sometimes graduation night and just like binge listen to science podcasts. And then uh, uh, Noah Ramos Ramos um, donated. He also uh, heard me on Crab Feast a while back, and that's how he got into it. So thank you for that. Went back as far as he could, uh, but now we've made the whole back catalog available. So now we've just given him a whole load of homework. So thanks, Noah. Hope you enjoy the very old episodes. I should go back and listen to, and see if we, like, did we sound different four years ago? Like, did we do this differently, you think? I don't know. We had we had Brooks to navigate. Right. 
we probably spend more time on stories because we now or that now now i yeah, think because because yeah. we have a brooks love nothing more than shutting down a science story <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of his expertise it was fun having him at Bridgetown last week, and we didn't get to have him on the podcast, but... Uh, we didn't. He he went home the, the day that we were recording. But, uh, yeah. It was Brooks very... plays by Brooks's rules. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. But, yeah, terrifying terrifying antibiotics. Yes. Um, so the U.S. health officials on, on Thursday reported the first case in the country of a patient with infection resistant to last resort antibiotic mm-hmm. uh, and expressed grave concern that the superbug could pose serious dangers for routine infections if spreads. We risk being an anti- in a post-antibiotic world, says Thomas Frieden, director of the UK Cent- U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, referring to the urinary tract infection of a 49-year-old Pennsylvania woman who had not traveled within the prior five months. Uh, Frieden uh, said that the bacteria was resistant to colistin, an antibiotic that is reserved for use against nightmare bacteria. Question before you go on. Have they tried cranberry juice? Yeah, oh. just, a cu- just, just, w- just one cup. Just a little bit. Just yeah. see. Or I have spray. a great homeopathic remedy that really... Yeah. Um, well, if you've got like the most terrifying... Uh, <laughs> like, see where this is going. I like. This is the most terrifying type of bacteria... So uh, homeopathy you treat like would like. So what I do is I take essence of ghost, mm-hmm. the mm. most terrifying type of person. Right, right. Uh, and I and I, I dilute that down, and that'll cure any of the most terrifying diseases. I forgot so, that's also part of it, is diluting until it's an undetectable level of the they're, thing. They're right? the, two, the two main wrong things with homeopathy. Uh, the, the two central principles of homeopathy is like cures like. So they prove, is what they call, they prove different substances by feeding them to people in ever-increasing doses until they start to become ill in some way, and then they note those symptoms. They're like, oh, this, this makes someone nauseous, so... Or, or this gives... The way to cure nausea yeah, would be the- this gives you a headache, therefore this will... Therefore, in, in, in minute doses, this will cure headaches. And then they... Yeah, and then they repeatedly dilute it by dropping a small amount into, a, into some water and then shaking it up and then taking a drop of that solution and putting it in some water and shaking it up. Right. And then they they do that, I think, up to like 10 times, by which point it statistically may or may not have a yeah. single molecule of that thing in there. And that- then you just wash down Advil with that water, right? Exactly. <laughs> Somehow it works. And then you wait three or four days and it makes your cold go. I love that by that logic like if if a if a nail can um pop pop a car tire then like a thumbtack will inflate a car tire. Yeah. <laughs> Which you sort of would briefly. You could put a thumbtack in there and glue it over for a very short amount of time. It's, will it actually inflate it? It won't inflate no. it. It won't. You found a flaw this in is, the you know what? perfect homeopathic the only- <laughs> mechanics business. So where did she did she say where she got this wicked UTI? Because that sounds like uh, so painful. Uh, like, apparently, it's so from uh, sitting on a toilet seat that someone else had used. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah, that's yeah, how. absolutely. Um, so, what did they did? Did she die of just pain? So, <laughs> she, how did they fix her? What did they do? So let's find out. So, so the superbug came about apparently uh, because the bug itself had been infected with a tiny piece of DNA called a plasmid, Ugh. which was passed which passed along a gene called MCR one. That confers resistance to cholestin. Um, the patient visited a clinic on April 26th with symptoms of an infection, uh, according to the study, which did not describe her current condition. Mm. Um, Updates, come on. I know, Reuters, you're missing a trick here. I know, let us know how she's doing. Uh, it's dangerous, this gene. The, the studies, surveillance continued to determine the frequency of it. And it, we would assume it can be spread quickly, even in a hospital environment, if it's not well contained, Ugh. says Dr. Gail Cassell, who's a microbiologist. Can you imagine Harvard. having the scariest pee hole in the world? <laughs> yeah. The 12 monkeys of pee yeah. holes. Like, of all the urethras, it had to pick mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't know, according to that, we don't know m- the potential speed of its spread will not be known until more is learned about how the Pennsylvania patient was infected and how present the colistin resistant superbug is in the Medi- United States and globally. What uh, what city in Pennsylvania? Where was she? Jefferson? Uh, no. It's uh, just so I know never to go in Pennsylvania. There. Okay, yeah. so don't so there's You're clear. We're just not going to Pennsylvania. We're yeah, putting already, we're staying away from pee holes. Pee hole Pennsylvania holes. 
we we're are putting... cloacas off limits too as long as we're out there i can't make that promise okay i can't do that i think it's still a go for cloacas okay yeah knock yourself out if you got a cloaca you're in the clear <laughs> as far as we know god so then uh what exactly you you frequent gyms and public pools sure what do you what exactly explain to me what MRSA is because I know that you get it from like wrestling mats uh, but I can't it, remember what it stands for exclusively R, from wrestling mats doesn't the R Just stand for resistant or not I thought so like, yes I, I think it MRSA does MRSA is like a pretty nasty pretty nasty sitch but I don't know what it exactly resistant staphylococcus aureus so it's a it's a oh, okay. so it's, it's a type of staph infection staph but it's specifically methicillin uh, have you have you known anybody who's gotten like some kind of crazy? I've known two people bug? who have gotten MRSA. Really? Yeah. How'd they get it? Uh, one got it as because uh, he was wrestling okay. jujitsu, and then not an- worth it. Wrestling. I feel like everybody who wrestles uh, gets gets herp, gets cold sores inevitably. Ugh. Like to the really, point they, they joke about it. Like yeah, you got the herp. Like okay, maybe pick a different sport that isn't like guaranteed <laughs> to right. give you a strain of a virus you can't get rid of. Like, I'm just I'm not I'm not like on my how list. How are they of- wrestling? I don't know. There's a, just there's a lot of there's a lot of drooly grappling happening. Oh. I don't. But apparently those mats are teeming with MRSA. And then I I had a friend who got it in her armpit, and she thought it was razor burn. But it turned out that she got it from a towel because her uh, roommate at the time was a personal trainer. Oh, gross. So okay. what I'm saying is you should just stay home, sit on the couch. Yeah, I do get shamed a lot at the gym because I'm, I'm a bit of a sweater. Okay. I sweat profusely. Like there's oftentimes like a human shaped outline on the floor. That's the end of, yeah. Um, so I have to like be a little more vigilant about going around afterwards and using those uh, you know Clorox wipes they have. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I've gotten some talkings too from. <laughs> <laughs> You've been publicly shamed. Yeah. You've been sweat yeah. shamed in the gym. Like, and there's a little part of me that uh, this is maybe this is a little sexist. It's only been women, and I kind of want to be like, well, this is what you do when you come to these places. It's, it's not supposed to be a clean place. No, that's what you do when that's you come to those places. We come here to fester in each other's sweat and maybe do some exercise, but mostly the sweat Listen, sharing. In my day, in my day, you yeah, just I, need a terry cloth jumpsuit. Have you thought about That's that? Exactly Just wear a towel. <laughs> I actually see things hanging up. But no, I guess they're all inside. But like, yeah, when I come home from the gym, I just have to hang everything that I wore outside. I can't even put it in the dirty clothes because it's so wet. It'll like in that dirty clothes bag. It'll even get uh, just molder. I have a weird. From what I've heard, that means your body's better at like a person who sweats a lot isn't out of shape. It's the opposite. Yeah, no, you're you're. That's actually good because you do a lot of detoxing out of your skin. And I I recently found out that I have like high mercury levels, mm-hmm. which I guess happens when you work at a sushi restaurant for five years and you are broke to only eat the leftover sushi. And this happened to me years, like ten years ago. I just so and I like sushi, but I guess I have high mercury levels. So I was told that I had to go do an infrared sauna, mm-hmm. and I did a whole. It's like 140 degrees. I'm in this infrared Oof. sauna, did not sweat at all. Wow. I was like, was it low humidity bullshit. or something? Was it? I mean, it must have been really dry, but I was like, I feel yeah. like I'm doing this wrong. So you probably get rid of a lot of garbage. I guess. Yeah, it is embarrassing. Like, I, sometimes I'll just spontaneously break out in a sweat. Like, when I was swimming a lot in high school and college, uh, sometimes I would just be in class and randomly just have like a sweat attack. And then all the chlorine on my skin would suddenly basically, the room would just smell like a pool instantly. <laughs> yeah. And it was really like, I was kind of. Ashamed because people would start looking at me. Suddenly, this classroom <laughs> smells like a swimming pool. Oh, Andy. yeah, it's hard being me. It you is guys, hard, it's hard being, being a straight do white you, male in this fucking country. Do you know that there are no real chemicals that will turn a color if you pee in a pool? That's just a huge, oh, big lie. Hundred percent, hundred complete bullshit. Um, not least because the only thing it can react to is uric acid, which we also sweat. So if that was in a pool, your armpits be- and other bits of you that's sweat when you exercise or if you were just hot and jumped into the pool you like you would get blue armpits also pro tip uh every competitive swimmer uh always <gasps> pees in the pool no. yeah if you I've if you ever tried to get pool. out of our practice by saying you had to go pee the coach would fucking laugh in your face and push you back in the water you don't get to leave practice for that i have never peed in a pool and i know so many people that do yeah. never it's... done it have you peed in pools i'm sure yes i, have, I definitely have peed oh in a my pool. god i only What's pee in wrong pools with me <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have a toilet <laughs> you're on a road trip you're yeah. like where is it 24 hour fitness yeah. yeah I've never peed into a pool 
Well, that's a little more bold. <laughs> you're just like a little, you're, you're like, I went as a fountain statue for Halloween and I just. <laughs> like from the diving board. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't pee in this pool. I don't think I've ever peed in this pool. Yeah, it's your pool, so. You but do. it's but smaller. It's like fewer, part, more, it'd be more parts per million of my pee sure. in that pool. But like an Olympic pool, yeah. my little, uh, you know, what, I don't know, what is an average pee? Like a pint or something? That's not going to make a difference. And that's all water anyway. And that's urine sterile. It's fine. Hang on. I did read a story. Well, I was going to do a different story to wrap this up, but okay. this is science-y. Uh, but chlorine does not does not get rid of pool pee. It doesn't get rid of it. How could it get rid of it? Yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't react with. Uh, but also pee isn't that bad for you, right? Some people drink their own. I mean, uh, here's a story on CNET uh, from about uh, a year ago. Swimming pool red eye isn't from chlorine. It's from urine. Yep. Yep. Uh, so now, okay, so now you want your gyms to have dry equipment and you want to not have red eye after you swim? <laughs> you guys are such divas. Many people have assumed that the red eye in swimming pools is caused by chlorine. Some people even wonder whether they're allergic to the chlorine. The truth is they're being affected by chlorine. Um, are my eyes red oh, right now? It's no. the result of chlorine mixing today, a little red earlier. with urine. Uh, now, what if you... When nitrogen-containing oh. compounds found in pee, sweat, and dirt combine with chlorine, irritants are formed. These substances, not the chlorine itself, irritates the eyes, skin, and respiratory system. You know I feel like you're trying to get me to apologize, and it's not going to happen. No. So. Just, you know what you do? Do not swim in Pennsylvania, because you don't know what's coming out of those pee holes, you guys. <laughs> It is summertime. Is this how... What if that's the end of civilization yeah. is just pools? Also, the cause of swimming pool cough. Uh, but the biggest problem from swimming pool contagion is diarrhea, apparently. Di- oh. uh, yeah. 20,000 people have been run into the restroom by swimming pool bugs, according to the CDC. Oosh. Mm. Oosh, you guys. That's also the sound the pool that diarrhea is- makes, so that's <laughs> very fitting. <laughs> we... We started in space, people. We started I'm sorry. In... Is it? This... No, that was me. That was us. I'm sorry, guys. You, you kept dragging it back towards. It's biology, you guys. I love biology. I do. I love space too. I I enjoy space, but I like I like life sciences more because I they're more behavioral and they're more it's more tactile to me than space. I I mean, space is great, you guys. Space Saturn very visible right now. Mars super visible. I just peeped Saturn's rings. Two days ago. No shit. Yeah. With what telescope. kind of? Uh... Uh, it was called a huge ass telescope. Okay. Yeah. It was. Um, it a was. Hat? Yeah. It was the size of like a Civil War cannon. Nice. And it was out in the desert. Oh, I, and I, I just remembered I was at. I think it was your birthday party when we had a moon viewing thing, and I managed to put my iPhone's camera lens up to the telescope and get a cool moon picture. Yep, that was my birthday. That was like three years ago. Two it was. Years ago? Yeah, it was. I've done a couple different star parties for my birthday, but I, I, may, I mostly just like don't want people to have to spend like sixty dollars on dinner. Right. So right. I'll just be like, you guys bring some chips or something to the park, and then I bought like a thirty dollar telescope from Toys R Us. We looked at the moon. Took it was pictures surprisingly of it. good for a yeah. cheap telescope. Yeah. Right. And so, um, but I have a hookup at Celestron. This guy who's awesome, who is uh, hooking up the Nerd Brigade with some telescopes. We went out to Joshua Tree, saw some Saturn rings. Nice. It looked like a little baby cartoon planet. That is pretty good. Oh, by the way, past guest Kara Santa Maria is she part of the Nerd Brigade? I forgot who's okay. Yes, yes. I know, and Crystal Dilworth, another Nerd Brigade member who's and also past guest on the show. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know. You guys should have the entire brigade on there. I think we're working our way through. Yeah, and also a fair number of the Nerd Brigade, and including yourself, ended up part of how to build everything. I know. How about that? Starting this week on the Science Channel. I guarantee that those people will be less gross than me, maybe. Which is probably why we haven't got them on yet. But we're very grateful to have yeah. had you on. Ali, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? I can be gently stalked at, uh, on Twitter. I'm A-L-I-E-W-A-R-D. I'm the same on Instagram and Snapchat. And you can find Slumber Party, the podcast, and learn a bunch of facts there uh, with me in Georgia. That's on Feral Audio or it's on iTunes or Full Screen. We do a video podcast, so we actually get in a pillow fort in pajamas with guests and so if you go to full screen, um, you can actually see things. And we have Veritasium, who's a really awesome, amazing uh, physicist who also does science communication. He's one of our first guests. So he's dope. Awesome. That is awesome. Um, I will be, by the time this comes out, in the UK. Uh, come and find me at Glastonbury. I'm going to be doing three shows there. And then I'm doing a couple of other shows around London and other bits of Britain. Um, 
I'm going to be apartment hunting. All kidding aside, if anybody has any leads, it is dire. Please email probablyscience at gmail.com. And we put links, like we said, we put the links to all of our stories on probablyscience.com. That's also where you can find the donate button and the Amazon payment link. If you're buying anything on Amazon, use our affiliate link first. Set that as your bookmark. And if you are going to be using Amazon, use that first. It costs you no extra. We get a little kickback. It really helps us out a great deal. And the other way, and I know you do this a lot, um... The other way you can really help us out is by spreading the word. Tell people. Tweet about it. Facebook. Uh, if you know people who are podcast listeners or getting into podcasts, send them our way. And also, please subscribe if you're not already subscribing, uh, particularly through iTunes. That really helps boost our numbers. Write nice things mm-hmm. about us. That costs nothing, particularly on the iTunes and Stitcher comments. Uh, but it helps boost our ratings and helps just make us feel happy. So please do that. Thank you again so much, Ali. Oh, I, I like you guys. Aww. I like you too. Likewise. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Are you lying? Mm-hmm.